All right. Welcome back, rugby fans. It's that time again here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show for us to be able to meet and do what we do best, talk about rugby. And joining me here today is, of course, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And on behalf of Scott Ferrara, in his absence, we brought in some extra talent off the, the bench, weight. always ready to tackle the topics, is, of course, Dave Fee, former USA Eagles extraordinaire. And I believe probably like six or seven times here on the show by now. How many times is it, Dave? Yeah, I don't know. It's like the Saturday Night Live, you know, I'm like a five-timer club, you know, right. I feel like Steve Martin. All <laughs> it's, right. It's enough um, that we're going to owe him a, a rugby rant uh, outfit kit, kit up or something like that from uh, American Rugby Outfitters. I like it. I like it yeah. for sure. Who doesn't love free rugby gear? I'm sure you would, right? Got enough of it. My wife always says, you've got enough in it. No, never. Never, never is the answer. Never enough. So what are we here to do? Well, I remind our viewers at home that first up, before we dive into the familiar rugby rants on here on episode 104, I've recently been told by Rob by way of a uh, hand signal. Um, but we're going to leave it there because it's first important that we take the chance to be able to do what you now know as Around the Pitch. We'll be back with the news. And here we are, gentlemen, in this Around the Pitch segment. We're going to be taking time to be able to give you a quick fire round of what we think is noteworthy for you as the rugby fans, what you should be paying attention to. And we're going to start it off, kick it all off with Rob Hammerschmidt. Thanks. I want to kick this first one off to pay special tribute to a guy who's putting my son back together, Pat Caulfield. Congratulations to you and your Naperville Warriors. He is the head coach uh, for the Naperville Warriors sevens program and they won the rugby illinois sevens championship they beat the arlington stallions a really good program produced matt Harmon, by the way from the nola gold uh the uh warriors won 31 to 26 i talked to him recently and it was uh really cool he said um, they scored a try with no time left on the clock to tie the match and put it into overtime and then they got uh, possession of the ball and scored right away to end the game so a fitting tribute Congratulations on your uh, state championship, Pat, uh, and his Naperville Warriors. What an excellent way to be able to finish a final for those kids, right? That's the way you do it. Right down to the to the wire. Keep right. it exciting. Keep everybody on their toes. Fantastic to be able to hear and see. We hand it over to Dave. What have you got to share? Yeah, Rob, you know, speaking of sevens, I had the opportunity to go out to uh, Utah, out to Salt Lake City, and see the uh, North America Invitational Sevens, the NAIA Sevens. There was over 110 youth teams. Mike Kressler does a great job out there in Utah organizing it. It's a phenomenal event, phenomenal facilities. Um, Rebel Rugby, I think, had a great weekend. They won the U18s Elite as well as their U16s. Ethan Cunier, I believe, is running that program. So it was just great to see a lot of positivity, great people working behind the scenes. Lisa Jackson, uh, first-time winner, working behind the scenes with some of the Rhino women's team. So a lot of people working hard, a lot of positive things happen out there in the youth world. It was just mm -hmm. great to see out in Salt Lake City. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Utah's got a rug wonderful rugby culture, but to be able to give it that platform uh, is wonderful to be able to see it. And we're seeing more and more of this. And when it comes to sevens, one of the great contributors to the sevens game at a professional level is PR sevens. And that's actually my next topic here, because this past weekend was the final leg of three with PR sevens ending in Austin. It was a fantastic affair, as everybody expected. Now, interestingly enough, not only were you crowning a winner for that series, but also the series in total and that left the loggerheads in the men's coming out uh, on top over the headliners 38 to 17 on the woman's side you had the headliners taking the top honors for the weekend uh, over the loonies but overall over the series itself that meant that the combined total left the headliners taking top honors and PR7s has become quite an exciting brand we saw in its first iteration last year being just one event in Memphis so it's great to be able to see how it's grown to be able to take that on the road uh, to three major cities across the U.S. and finishing in Austin, which has grown to come to have a great rugby culture of its own. So, yeah, hopefully we see much, much more of it in the future. Rob, what else do you have to share? Yeah, I want to hit the 
international side of things. Um, congratulations to Rugby Canada's women's 15s team. They beat six-ranked Italy 34-24. to Didn't in Langford, BC, by the way, didn't look to ever really relinquish the control of that match. They really uh, stayed in control of it the entirety. This was their fo- first home international test in seven years. I think that's important <laughs> to note. They certainly deserve to have more international tests, and there will be some coming up. Um, I believe they're going to be playing uh, Wales in Halifax um, August 27th, so stay tuned for that. Um, they uh, Tries were scored uh, by um, uh, Paige Ferry, scored two. Uh, Sarah, and I'll probably butcher this, Cal Juvie, um, Emily uh, Tutlosi, and, of course, Captain Sophie DeGoody, who we've had on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, they, these are their final preparation matches, of course, uh, before they head into um, the R- Women's Rugby World Cup. And interestingly enough, I thought this was notable. They will have beaten two of the three other teams that they play in their pool. Uh, the one that they haven't played yet and beaten is Japan. So really look to see if Canada can gain momentum from this going into Rugby World Cup 2022 here this fall. Yeah, it's great to be able to see the levels that the game is reaching um, for all different uh, uh, parts of the sport. But the women's game in particular has made some significant strides, not only in the quality of play, but the viewership. When you look at TikTok taking on the the title sponsorship for this upcoming Rugby World Cup, of course, in New Zealand, and all of this paving the way for great success for them there. So it's good to be able to hear that. Thanks for sharing that there. Rob, Dave, what else do you have to be able to share? Yeah, a little bit uh, near and dear to me here in the in the college game. It was exciting to see uh, one Notre Dame join the Big Ten and then see them uh, announce their schedule. So they're going to have an East and West Conference uh, with the semifinal and final. I know Joey Rasmus at the University of Illinois is doing some good work putting that together, uh, trying to make it a better event for the student-athletes, for the universities as well. The final is going to be there at uh, Ken, Stinson, Ken Stinson Stadium there in South Bend uh, on November the 12th. So it's exciting to see Notre Dame join the conference. Uh, I think it's going to up the level of competition. And again, right. two teams, both uh, in Indiana and Notre Dame now competing uh, programs I've, I've had a bit of a part of. It's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, and that's what we love to be able to see is you bring in this new blood into uh, uh, leagues and conferences like that. Uh, it's only going to better the quality of rugby, um, and especially with a school that has such a rich rugby uh, history, it's great to be able to see it expanding uh, like that. So I wanted to be able to expand on the sevens thought for a moment as we uh, dive into my last final piece over here. I'm going to be a bit of a homer on this occasion. I'm allowed <laughs> to be. Uh, the title in my name, the nickname is The Sapper, so i got to go with something South African on this occasion. Occasion, especially when it comes to seven. So I got to send a shout out to, of course, the Blitz Bocker, who successfully have not only taken many of the great titles available in rugby sevens at the highest level, HSBC, uh, but now more recently with the Commonwealth Games. For those in America who don't know what that means, it is one of the greatest challenges that you can have where you can receive a medal and an Olympic quality standard. So apart from the Olympics for South Africa, Canada, Canada, Fiji, and all those traditional countries that have come from the crown and its origin, um, they compete against each other, and South Africa took top honors in the final against Fiji, and that score was very flattering for South Africa, um, but a credit to uh, Fiji, who are tremendous athletes as well. It's great to be able to see them still competing at that level and contributing to the game there, uh, because without teams being as competitive as they are, Teams like South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, they wouldn't be able to get better and all the other teams. So a shout out to them on that success, a gold medal. It's never, ever something to be shy about. So congratulations to the Blitzbocker and we wish them every success moving forward as the uh, Sevens Rugby World Cup comes up later this year in my hometown, Cape Town. Wish I was there. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I was recently got to be able to see Wales versus South Africa. That was cool. (laughs) <laughs> oh really i didn't know you went to the game That's on tv awesome. oh. <laughs> come on man <laughs> tickets are expensive all right we digress and we'll be back in just a moment with more rugby talk stick around <laughs> this ball represents the game we love a game Fueled by passion. 
But there are those who wear no number, nor are they in the locker room or the field of play. But they are there for every high and every low. Yes, they are watching every kick, tackle, and try score. Yes, they are there for when you need them most, because they are the Major League Rugby fans. And the time has come for you to stand with your team. Join us at shopmlr.com today. Welcome back, rugby fans. And of course, it's that time to do what we do. And that's talk about rugby, continuing it here with the Rugby Rant Debate. Now, before we dive into it, a reminder that this is pretty simple. We're going to be talking about one topic in particular, something that is of hot topic across all the social media circles, all the rugby fans out there. And that is talking about the USA Pathway do they still have a shot? The answer is yes to make a Rugby World Cup. However, they chose to do it the hard way by going through the Repressage Tournament, which is taking place later this year from November 6th, I think until the 18th, if I'm correct. And that means that they will be entering a round-robin tournament with other nations who are pursuing the same pathway, that final qualifying tournament we're going to be talking about it a little bit more over here with the help of rob hammerschmidt and dave fee and of course myself ty brogger your host for today's activities each one of us will be talking about how we got here what we need to do to get there and a couple of important points along the way that we think is notable as some lessons that have been learned along the way. Because there's a lot of people that have been talking about this gentleman, how, of course, we started out with Uruguay. Traditionally, we've had some great successes against this nation, although we must note that they had a phenomenal uh, 2019 tournament in Japan, uh, most notably the upset against Fiji, which certainly said that they have grown. And so they've continued growing since then uh, to get the America's number one spot. And then the number two spot, we had the opportunity to take on Chile. In a two-parter, home and away, and unfortunately, we came lesser on that occasion because we lost out in Glendale. I think it was by one point overall. Can you guys remind me? Was it one point? Yeah, one point overall, two points in Glendale, yeah. Right, but one point overall is as close as it came, and it was fairly similar against Uruguay. So it's always a story of so close yet so far, at least for the uh, the USA Eagles right now. Um, and what that means is missing out on America's one spot and America's two leaves that last open door remaining for the Repressage tournament, as I mentioned before, will take place later this year in November, competing against the sides uh, let me remind myself here. It was Hong Kong, Portugal, Kenya, uh, and that will make up the four sides. So, gentlemen, uh, I'm actually going to throw it over to Rob first to be able to hear your thoughts. How do we get here and what do we need to do? Oh, boy. Well, what do we need to do? Um, well, I guess I better start with how do we get here? I think we got here. And I, and my guess is Dave is going to talk about it a little bit more. So I won't, I won't, I'll leave some meat on the bone for him in that regard. Uh, I think we need to spend a bit more time together as a unit. Uh, it's pretty clear from Chile and Uruguay um, that, that they had spent uh, much more time together and, and the cohesion showed. I talked about it in some previous rants. Um, so we need to spend more time together. I think um, we need to secure our set piece play. Um, mm -hmm. That's pretty critical. Um I think our set piece play was lacking, if I'm not mistaken, against Uruguay. It was a little better against Chile, although it's some crucial moments towards the end of the game. It 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 let us down a bit. So I'd like to see our set piece play improve. Um, and and with that, you know, quality lineouts. I think that was the capstone of our uh, mat two matches against Chile is quality lineouts, and we've proven that we can you know get that um, you know line out and drive if we can kick it into the corners. Uh, so I think it's really about, you know, possession, about field position, about quality um, platforms uh, for forward play. And then when the opportunities present themselves, get the ball out to Christian Dyer and let him do what he does best. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think we need to do. Um, 
but I'd, I'd love to hear it from a guy who's been around the international pitch himself on a couple of occasions has a, you know, well healed in that regard. And what a person, perfect handoff <laughs> to, uh, to Dave Fee. Yeah. You, you, you know, I'm here, uh, you know, supporting my roots, you know, supporting my USA Eagles. Um, you know, I've been there, I've been in that locker right. room, uh, you know, feeling that, you know, you, you, you've let a country down and, and, you know, wondering what comes next, you know, are we going to make a world cup? And, and I was there in 2002 and, you know, we, we had some pretty good guys on that team, you know, Dan Lyle, Luke Gross, Dave Hodges, Court Schubert, Mike McDonald, Dan Dorsey, you know, Mike Herkus, Paul Emmerich, you know, all these guys were professionals and, mm-hmm. you know, nothing's ever been easy for us as American rugby players. And, and, and this is no different, you know, so if we've got to go fight and claw and scratch our way, you know, through a through three game series, I, I think, you know, in, in, in looking back, it may be a good thing for them. Rob, you hit on it that, you know, the, the Chileans playing as Selknam down in uh, the Slar competition, you know, I think they've had about 35 to 40 games where our guys have had five to 10, right? right. So, so that, that's a big thing, you know, that continuity in a one-point game, obviously, I think, you know, was the difference. Um, but I'm going to back my boys. And I think, you know, an opportunity to go get three games against Kenya, Portugal, and Hong Kong, could be, you know, obviously added time together and some buildup that they need, you know, looking forward into that World Cup where, again, should they qualify? And if I should say when they qualify, (laughs) they've got Australia, Wales and uh, Namibia and Georgia, which I think are are some winnable games. So I'm going to go ahead and back my boys. And and I know that, again, nothing's ever been easy for us. You know, despite what Tony Riddell saying, you know, the sky is not falling. And, uh, you know, again, there's light at the end of the tunnel for him. Yeah. And, you know, there are many blessings in disguise here. And you already pointed out a couple. So let's revisit that very quickly. Uh, the one blessing in disguise is, you know, even though we had losses, they were pretty close. So there's definitely some lessons to learn. A couple of tweaks here and there. And those uh, and a few other things going in a different direction could have been wins. But, you know, let's not dwell on that. We're looking at, okay, there's a tenacity in this team. There always has been. We know what the goal is. And sometimes when your back is against the wall you get the best performances right and and that's what typically uh, countries like the u.s and, and other smaller nations have done but they're also going into a three-game series well this round robin tournament uh, in november which is kind of like a warm-up period and we spoke about this off camera so it's kind of a blessing in disguise in many ways and then the final one that you have uh, touched on a moment ago is that they're going into a group that i mean all groups are dangerous right they're all tough but if I got to be able to pick, this is not a bad group, right? This is not a bad pool to be in. When you look at Australia, Fiji, Georgia, like you feel like, hey, there's an opportunity here for the U.S. to be able to come out with that 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 elusive World Cup win and to be able to create an expectation that's higher given the opportunity. They just need to be able to seize it. But I also want folks to be able to understand the level of competition that we'll be taking on. So not only do we mention them, let's talk about what regions they represent and where they are in the world. So we've got um, Hong Kong coming through the Asia region, Kenya through Africa, and Portugal through Europe, USA, of course, taking up the Americas. The highest ranked side between all of those is actually the US ranked at 19 close on their heels Portugal at 20 so I don't want folks to be able to go oh this is going to be something pretty easy yes that's only statistics yes that's only on paper but we 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 know that we have to bear this in mind uh Kenya a little bit further down the, uh, the log at 33 um so yeah there's definitely opportunities uh over others uh, we'll talk now, right now. Let me actually throw it out to you, Rob. Who do you think is going to be the toughest competition right there? Who would you like to see as that first game, that one that like, kind of really sets the tone? Well, who's going to be the toughest competition and who's the first game are kind of sure. two different answers for that. I'd rather play Kenya first. It gives you an opportunity to get those a little bit of rust uh, knocked out sure. that okay. perhaps, um, because you haven't played for several months. Um, get the rust knocked out. It's going to be a, a match that they should they should predictably win and win fairly handily. Um, but I think the toughest match is going to be against Portugal. In spite of the fact they've beaten Portugal on two separate occasions by a 61-point differential, and they've actually gone three and four historically against Hong Kong at a minus 39-point differential, I'd still say Portugal because, quite frankly, we're talking about different teams right. in 2022 and 2023. And even though you say those stats, I'm going to throw it back at you. I mean, the last time America played Chile, the score was 71 to right. whatever. So, right. 
things and, change. And that's exactly what, what my point was, yeah. is that we're, you know, we're in 2022 and we can't go back in history too much. There's, there's far too much history to be able to go back into those, you know, past historical matchups to be, mm-hmm. able, to mm-hmm. be able to predict anything right now. I just think Portugal is going to be a pretty tough ask. Don't yeah. forget that they, they've only qualified, well, they've qualified because Spain was removed um, because of some violations. And I know that right. they had a Playing pretty tough outing against players. Spain. Yeah, they only lost by I think it was five against Spain. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, it's going to yeah. be the tough one, I think. And yeah, and absolutely. You know, I'm kind of curious to hear the same thought from you, Dave. What do you think? Yeah, I think Rob's got it. I think Portugal. You know, they're going to be as good, if not better, than that Chilean team. They spend a lot of time together, playing together. Um, you know, geez, I'd love to go back in time. You know, if you go back to 2012, you know, Scott Lawrence, who was a part of the current staff, was on that. 2012 junior world trophy team right and during that time they beat uh chile japan and tonga three teams now that have kind of surpassed us in that same 10-year period so man mm-hmm. i'd love to go back over those 10-year times and, and and figure out you know where, where we were as a country and what our planning was but uh, unfortunately, right. unfortunately we can't um and we've got to look forward but i think rob nailed it you know, Portugal is going to be the tough one. You know, things to consider in a three-game tournament are things like red cards, like injuries. You know, if we were to lose a, a Ruben de Haas or, or an A.J. McGinty, you know, that could hurt us. Um, so maybe playing a Portugal up right. first, you know, taking that one out of, out of the gates, um, you know, might might set us up for the next success for the next two. So I'd you like know, to you, Portugal first. You touch on an interesting topic when you talk about these key players and the contribution. You know, looking at the chatter online through the MLR fan zone and all the great social media groups where everybody convenes online to be able to talk about rugby, and that's what we do too. So we we follow these conversations. And a lot of people, and I'll throw this one back at you, uh, you Dave, because it came from, from, from your rant there. A lot of people saying that we rely too much on key players. You know, we got McGinty. If we got McGinty, great. We've got a great playmaker. We've got a great decision. We've got a clutch player in the right moments. Oh, we've got Arthur Haas, who's the guy, you know, the right distributor. His box kick is where you need. His paces, you know, all these things that we talk about key players, but we don't talk about the strength as a unit. We don't talk about the consistency of a team. Is that a part of the problem? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, you know, Rob mentioned that cohesion factor and, you know, AJ and Ruben and, you know, they're, they're on successful careers o- overseas. You know, a lot of the guys are here spread across the 13 MLR teams. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, that that Selcom forward pack, I think seven of the eight um, right. of the Chileans play together for Selcom. Same with the back line. So those guys yeah, have, played, have played, you know, four times the amount of games, um, you know, compared to our guys. So yeah. you know, it's not an excuse. You got to give them credit. You know, what, what they're doing down there in that model is working for them. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, Uruguay mm-hmm. used to be the repercharge team. Then they were America's two. Now they're America's one, and yeah. you know, now Chile's number two, and, and here we are fighting for Clearly, the Clearly, so. something is working for South American rugby development. You know, Brazil is also on their on the heels, too. That's the next generation, right? You've got these countries that, that we, we, we seemingly overlooked for so many years, and while we weren't watching, they surpassed us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned, what was the scoreline against Chile the last time we played them? 71-something. Yeah, yeah, like it was, it was a massive yeah. big difference. It was like sixty-two point difference or something like that, if I remember correctly. At least in that ballpark, and that's not. I'm not talking about eons ago. I'm talking about a couple of years, you know, pre-pandemic. But that was pretty recent history. And um, Chile are on their way to the very first rugby World Cup, rightly so. At the end of the day, you know, whether you agree with the the, the, the how it, the campaign was run or not, that's still the result. We've got lessons to be able to learn here. And you brought up something interesting a moment ago, Selkem. For those that aren't familiar is uh, the professional team that even a couple of years ago when SLA first started representing Chile was not doing very well. You know, their biggest competition was, uh, sorry, biggest, biggest competitor was the, the Haguaras 15 who dominated, right, coming from, from Argentina. But they actually managed to beat them in the last season, right, surpassing, do really well. And it's all because of that consistency. And in Chile, there's only like three professional clubs. So the pool might be smaller, but it's a lot tighter. In the U.S. with the MLR, we've got a lot of talent, but it's spread here and there. So there's the, the, the opportunity for players to play next to each other for a long period of time is smaller. You might have a pairing, but you don't have seven out of your eight players, starting players in your forwards, playing together week after week. That makes a difference, right? Absolutely. Absolutely does. Yeah. 
What what I think is interesting is, you know, we were we were winning that second match 19 to nothing, if I'm not mistaken, about 25 minutes in. Uh, even further, I think and, it was like until the 32nd yeah. minute. You're right. And and you know, that cohesion I think can play a role. It played a role in that game in the sense yeah. that, you know, we had them down on their heels. If we could have scored another try, I think we could have gone on the hoof a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really um, pin them down. But a team that has played together before, that has logged lots of minutes, that, you know, when they look across and you see those eyes that you see every week that you count on, that you're training with week, uh, with week after week, you kind of feel the need to go, okay, can't let that guy down. And they pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and scored a, scored a couple of tries to really put themselves into position for a nice second half. That's yeah. what the cohesion does in my mind. It, it, right? also, it also allowed for some depth. Right. I mean, yeah. a lot of the guys who played in that first match were right. on the bench, yeah, bench. And, and emptied the bench for that last 25, 30 minutes, which provided a lot. And that's something, again, I think, you know, we don't have, you know, the, the 50 to 100 players, you know, deep yet to be able to, you know, provide that for Gary and the staff to be able to make some substitutions where obviously, you know, Chile was but, able to do that into their but advantage. Don't we? Don't we, with as many professional rugby players, really have that depth? I mean, Chile only has three professional sides. They've got 24 times less of a player pool than the U.S. does. You know, and, and, and these are questions that people are asking, you know. And, and what I enjoyed about Chile, I'll finish the final thought here and I'll throw it back to you, Rob. Talking about their performance in that last leg in Glendale, you mentioned a moment ago, they emptied the bench early. I saw guys coming on so late for for the U.S. that I thought should have come on earlier and made an adjustments earlier. They destroyed us in the scrum by the end, yeah. you know. Yeah. Sorry, Rob. You, I wanted to jump in. Well, no, I was going to say, and I think for me, these these last two uh, home and away matches have really convinced me that perhaps there aren't enough guys playing that are American qualified or. Or mm-hmm. are playing with U.S. Eagles that are playing um, in high intensity matches, right? Um, at the right times, and and I guess what I mean by that is Chance Wangaluski. He's one of our top, you know, four to six props, right? He's coming in. He played in both the uh, Chile matches. Where was he in the MLR final for the first fifty-five yeah. minutes, sixty minutes? He was on the bench. Mm-hmm. That's where he was, right? Um, where are some of these players that are playing? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Cam Dolan, but some of these players are are sitting on the bench in, in the most important MLR matches, and they're not getting that valuable experience in how to play in a high intensity, you know, tight match and how to come right. through um, on a consistent basis. And that's what's most concerning. Yeah. And you're kind of turning to a little bit towards a a bigger question in some ways, which is, has the MLR been the contributor to the national team as it once was pegged to be? Um, And yes, it certainly is a platform, but is it being used in the way that we want it to be used? And that's kind of a conversation that would evolve probably for another day. But it is an interesting point. If players who are eligible for the U.S., are not given the opportunity to compete consistently at the highest levels and alongside the teammates that they'll be competing with at the highest level, how are they continuing to get the consistency that we want them to get? It's a tough question, right? So gentlemen, before we head out of here, I want to be able to get your final thoughts as we lean towards and turn our attentions to the next, next task at hand, securing that final spot. What is your thoughts I'll ask Rob as we started with him and end with you, Fee. Um, I'm going to be optimistic and say that we we win the top spot, um, but I, I think it's going to come down to that Portugal match is going to be the obvious decider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the toughest competition in the pool uh, is what most people would agree. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, Dave? Yeah, like I said earlier, you know, nothing's ever been easy for us as American rugby players, and, and this is going to be no different. And I expect the boys to go over to Dubai and uh, get it done and uh, look forward to seeing them in, in France in 23. I like it. Optimism all around. And, of course, you as rugby fans can tell us what you think at home. Maybe you think we're right on point. Maybe you think we're way off. And we'd love to be able to know what you think by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on all social media platforms. And you can share your thoughts 
You're free to rant along with us. And we hope to be able to hear that. But for now, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in a moment with the opportunity to learn more from one of the great MLR insiders, Connor Cook, formerly of the Raptors. Now, of course, recently retired after having had a wonderful season with Rugby ATL. We'll be back. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back, rugby fans. Of course, it's that familiar time again where we put somebody special in rugby to the test in our RPK. You know that as the run, pass, or kick interviews. Joining me as per usual is Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. But more importantly, less about us and more about our guests. Who do we have in the hot seat? None other than Connor Cook by way of Major League Rugby. First, with the Raptors through 2018 until more recently, you took up reins at Rugby ATL, where you finished your time as a player. Many highlights through all of that, one of which includes being a part of the very first MLR Shield being competed against, of course, then Seattle while you were with the Raptors. We're going to dive into this and much more through the course of this interview. But first, how about we give a warm welcome to Connor. Connor, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan. Um, excited to be here. That was well, we have one, perfectly. Ty. We have one huge yeah. fan. At one. least Connor's looking out for us. We appreciate that, Connor. <laughs> it means a lot, actually. Getting good, it means a lot for us to have a guy like yourself on the show. Um, it's great to have you. And I love to say that that he takes direction really well. We actually scripted that response. (laughs) Checks in the mail, man. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Love it, love it, love it. Payday. (laughs) All right, folks. Once again, you know the format, but if you don't, it's best you learn how it goes. And I hand you over to my colleague, Rob Hammerschmidt, to take the reins. Thank you, Ty. And for those of you guys who are new to the Run, Pass, or Kick interview, thank you for coming to see us. And... Thank you for coming to see, most importantly, Connor Cook, share a little bit about who he is and what he's all about. But if you're not familiar with the format, Run, Pass, or Kick works like this. Each one of our questions will be prompted by Run, Pass, or Kick. And just like any good rugby player, Connor has to be adept at all three. And so he has a decision to make with each question. He can run with a question, which is to say that he's going to go ahead and answer it. And we've seen his hard-charging style, so I'm pretty sure he's going to run with a few of these. But Connor can also pass a question, which is to say that maybe it's too hot to handle or one that he doesn't really want to talk about. So he's going to go ahead and pass it or he can have fun with us and he can kick a question, in which case he'll let us know what he's going to do. And he can kick it to either Ty or myself. And that means we're going to answer on Connor's behalf. We're going to answer in a way that we think he would answer. And he can grade us out, tell us we were shite, tell us we were spot on, or give his answer a little bit more context. It's entirely up to him. So, Connor, are you ready for the run, pass, or kick challenge, my friend? I am. We're going to get right at it with the first one. Now, I've got to put a picture up here. And, and normally, Scott's behind the scenes uh, producing the show. So let me just make sure I got it all set up there. There it is. <laughs> there is the, the, the picture there. So I'm going to leave it up there for folks to see. Real quick, you've seen it. 
And to run past your kick, Connor, I dug out this photo from 2018 on your social media. It appears to be a photo taken during your bachelor party. Is it true that all of you were jumping off the boat to avoid the strippers at your bachelor party? <laughs> yeah, I'll run with that one. <laughs> no, that's <is> false. <laughs> There's actually <laughs> zero like fake news. Fake <laughs> zero news. <laughs> There's zero women presence that entire weekend. Actually, uh, it was very fun though. Uh, Probably a giveaway of... with the hashtag Du Boys. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You know, it's uh, it just shows you uh, the tone of the show that we have to be able to do some socially acceptable stalking online before yeah. we introduce <laughs> before the first one. Yeah. And it's not over. I got a few more bits up my sleeve. But what I did find interesting <laughs> about that photograph, Connor, is a number of you guys had the Colorado Raptors uh, budgie smugglers on. And I, I, I know those are very much appreciated in the rugby community. Yeah, um, I think it was Johnny Muscles that organized them, those for us uh, that <laughs> right. year. But yeah, we definitely all wore them for that trip. I think it was mandatory. <laughs> mandatory I like it yeah. cool man yeah i was gonna ask you if uh john rodberg was in charge of of uh ordering those bad boys but it sounds like um sounds like he did yeah he, he, he was yeah we had an episode much much earlier in our in our seasons um and i feel like that same topic came up with him in a in a speedo so there's definitely a yeah. theme occurring it's probably the yeah. first boy every time you'd be like all right you know what this needs budgie smugglers makes everything better (laughs) he's he's always got them on Uh, and and with quads like that why wouldn't you You right 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 what is it that dallin called him the quadriceps eyeballs yeah Yeah, Yeah, or the quadzilla too yeah that one too there's probably quite a few themes there he's got a lot of nicknames (laughs) all right well let's turn our attention back to the man in the hot seat here connor cook of course we now know him to be an mlr staple which by the way uh is a part of that elite 50 cap club which we're going to be talking about throughout the course um not to dive into too much detail right now but we deliver question number two your way run parcel kick my friend you lived in both hawaii and colorado growing up gee what a burden right uh, your childhood must have been awful, <laughs> but it's what a great place to, to, to be when it comes to rugby culture in both those places. You know, they both got a rich history there. So here lies my next question, though. Both have a rich rugby roots, as I mentioned a moment ago. How were you in particular introduced to the sport of rugby? Um, I'll, sorry, I will run with that one. Sure. Um, so I was at a school in uh, in Hawaii called uh, HPA, Hawaii Preparatory Academy, and they didn't have um, you know PE class, so you had to choose a sport for each kind of season. Um, and if you you know if you weren't into sports, they had other like just activities and such that you could um, enroll in and and do after school. And so anyway, I didn't have a sport to do. I was I had ice hockey that I had then lost when I moved to. Uh, to Hawaii from Colorado, obviously. Yeah, sure. Obvious and, uh, reasons. <laughs> yeah. and so anyway, my, one of my buddies, we were in the dorm. I was living in the dorm at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was like, have you heard of rugby before? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, we have a team and, uh, you should come out. And so anyway, I watched a video on YouTube about it. It looked really fun and I went out and loved it. So the rest is kind of history from there. <laughs> awesome. Was Jack Breen involved in that academy or in the rugby scene at that time when you were when you were in high school? Um, I don't recall at the time. My coach that got me into it was uh, Kevin Perry, and then um, he was the the big coach that got me involved uh, in it in Waimea. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 Waimea is that on um, is that on Kauai on, or is it... no? It's on the Big Island. Oh, it's on the big island. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Cool. It yeah. must have been a great experience. Yeah. Like Ty said, boy, that must have really stunk to be in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, I love so how you also said you had to choose a sport for each season. Like, yeah. what? Just summer? <laughs> well, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's fair. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, uh, uh, you know, but you also played football. And I think yep. that it's important for people to, to recognize how many American rugby players start off in football and then transition at some point uh to to rugby uh it's kind of funny and, and the raptors now have 
you know, they're the American Raptors and they mm-hmm. have pushed to get these crossover athletes. And I'm reading your, your resume and thinking, you know, you're, you're almost like that kind of crossover athlete. Cause you get a little bit of a rugby in high school, but then you're really uh, are engaged in football and you go to Redlands university to play football there. But eventually you end up at arc state, which we know is a rich tradition of, of um, rugby in its own right. So run pass or kick, how did you end up playing rugby at Arc State coming all the way from Hawaii and, and from uh, Redlands University? Uh, yeah, I'll run with that one as well. Uh, so going, you know, from high school, I didn't, rugby was very fun for me in high school. I, I really enjoyed it, but I did not even realize that, you know, there was collegiate rugby. So my thing was always trying to get there. I also had played soccer, so I was kind of getting recruited for soccer and for, um, for rugby. Or sorry, for um, for football. And uh, so anyway, I decided to go um, play football. And, um, you know, I, I was just a place kicker. And so it was fun. But I, you know, I played a few games my, my freshman year and um, quite a few my sophomore year. But I was just kicking. So, you know, I always knew that I could do more on the field. And, and I wanted to be on the field. And I got a call after, I think it was our homecoming game from my high school coach Kevin and he had this opportunity to play at ASU and I was thinking at the time I was like heck yeah I'm gonna go to you know Arizona State I was like I was like because Red, Redlands is a really small school. ready for like, a potty you know, then <laughs> yeah exactly I was you know I was thinking I was really small school and, <laughs> and I get on the phone with uh Matt Huckabee and you know he's got this southern accent and I'm like where did I just sign up to go you know or commit to play and I started looking it up Arkansas State and anyway um I moved out there so I went to Redlands for two and a half semesters and then um went out there to Arkansas after that yeah yeah I get that you know it's funny you said like you you mentioned when you played football you were just the place kicker and you wanted more you wanted to be more involved in the game and it's one of the merits for why rugby has been adopted across uh, America in the way that it has, many players in a similar position to you want to have um, the energy of rugby back and forth, the, you know, be in the action more so. Uh, and it's what makes the game exciting. It's what separates it from some of the other sports, though, too, and what will continue yeah. to grow and what will continue to attract players just in a similar situation to you. Uh, and turning our attention a, a moment you, a moment ago, you spoke about, you know, transitioning from Redlands to Arc State. Um, that's a pretty big deal, especially, you know, when you think of the rich rugby history that Arc has. I mean, 2012, uh, Sevens Champs, right? 2013. Yep. Um, and then also, I believe, made it to the finals of the mm-hmm. 15s Nationals as well. Yep. And this all happened while you were around about there. You were there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So tell me, run past a kick. What made that team different? What what held that together? What was the special source? Um, yeah, I'll run with that one as well. Uh, yeah, when I got there, it was a special time for Arkansas State. They were really growing a lot, and I think they were setting themselves apart, um, you know, from other collegiate settings in the sense mm-hmm. that they were able to give, um, you know, not necessarily scholarships, but it was, I mean, for international students, they would be able to, I think, believe waive their international fees. Um, I think, I believe that was the thing. And then they would get, you know, around in-state tuition. That's at least right. what I would, I so would get as well. Some benefits so it was it, yeah. definitely, you know, there's, there's benefits. And uh, so that was very appealing for, you know, international students that were wanting mm-hmm. to get over here. And then our Matt had a huge tie to, um, forget the exact connection. It was also through one of the teachers at Arkansas state to okay. um, South Africa. And he had gone over and an watched amazing the, place. Uh, great people. I'm biased. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he had gone over and watched the blue bulls like training for like a uh-huh. week or something. And, and uh, anyway, so we had a big recruiting kind of funnel from, from there. And so we had quite a few South Africans. I'm sure you knew that at Arkansas State. Especially yeah, yeah. I, I, I did it the old-fashioned way. I married an American girl. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Nobody was interested in my rugby. <laughs> um, yeah, so and then anyway, so we had like a good mix of them. And, you know, they brought a whole different – um obviously knowledge of rugby and, and right. iq um mm-hmm. 
and so it just and then he he was good at, our coach was really good at recruiting and so he just yeah. got a, a good a good bit of american talent and then you know he had a good mix of four right a little, and, it's, it's like a, a couple of ingredients of this a couple of ingredients yeah. like that putting together mm-hmm. the perfect uh, a blend yeah so you heard it let, let, let me just state for the record you heard it everybody from connor cook himself <laughs> if you want to make your team better get a south african we're cheap we're cheap okay. yeah. <laughs> so connor ty mentioned that um you know a, a bit of back that uh you, you guys had a, a finals uh, appearance in 15s um at arc state uh you were also part of the raptors team that lost an epic epic uh, finals battle to Seattle in the first yeah. ever MLR Shield, and I don't. I'm I like not trying to dredge up bad memories. Here. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. He, like he had like a relapse. He's like a PTSD. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, are they going to beat me up with these questions? I just I know where you, I feel like I know where you're going. It's like, yeah, it's been um, a lot of a lot of finals appearances. Um, but I, I'm interested though, uh, because you know, out of you know, sometimes when you come up a bit short, you learn the most about yourself and organizations learn the most about themselves. And so that's what I'm interested in here with this question. So run mm-hmm. past your kick. If you could go back and change anything about how you or the team prepared or approached or played for that match, is there anything that you would do differently with that hindsight and with the experience you've gained since then? Talking just specifically uh, the Seattle? Yep, that Raptors-Seattle epic battle. I mean, I think our prep... Oh, sorry, I'll run with it. Um, I think our prep was good. I think we... It was just the execution, you know, on game day, I think. Mm -hmm individual players as well we had some uh silly penalties here and there that um, at critical times that you know just can really sway a game you know when it comes down to kind of grand final rugby um yeah that's kind of the best answer hopefully that helps a bit I, i think that's an important lesson for for new rugby players in particular is pay attention to those little details you mentioned the penalties and we've seen it frequently both in the mlr and and obviously most recently with the eagles results um you know here this july is that you know penalties can kill you and and the eagles committed a few of those penalties in that second match against chile that that potentially cost them you know qualification and mm-hmm. so I think you bring up in a really important piece that a young right. player should be mindful of is to really, you know, don't, you know, don't commit those penalties, you know, you, mm-hmm. yeah. you just keep battling and play defense. Yeah. It's um, a really, really good point. And, you know, often what you see is when teams have been working together week after week and over time, they develop that consistency, that cohesion, that under those pressure filled moments, there's less likely for that to happen. And that's kind of, a, it shows you how mature a team really is yeah. um, that they can limit those amount of penalties in those high risk areas or those important moments. Um, but you know, often that's what separates it in finals. It's just the minutiae, those little things that can sway it in, in, in favor of one for or one against. Yeah. And then if I can answer one more part of that, uh, sure. my personal prep, uh, I was just thinking back on it. Um, this was a few years ago. Uh, you know, I was young um, still. I mean, uh, you know, not necessarily maybe to the game, but definitely at this level. And I mean, I still think to the game to some degree. Um, so I think going back for like my prep, I could have done a lot more, um, you know, studying on Seattle and how, you know, they were playing and mm-hmm. kind of more, you know, analytical on the competition and then on myself as well, just leading up to it. Um, I did a lot more of that. Um, that was a big thing we focused on, obviously, here at um, ATL. Um, and so knowing what I know now, I would have done a lot more of that back then. I, I want to kind of follow up. This is a little off script, Connor, but since sure. you brought it up, and I think there's a great opportunity to a- ask you know, somebody of your caliber to kind of reflect on this. You know, we've talked to uh, coaches and players about that very thing. You know, how much time do you spend watching your opposition on film and paying attention to what they do and game planning for, for their game? And how much do you just lock down and focus on your game? What's 
what's the right balance for you as a player when you, as you grew and, you know, fell into that ATL system and really got engaged in both those aspects? Well, I think it comes with a bit of a, you know, a learning curve. So, so, you know, you get efficient at it and then you don't have to spend maybe as much time, but leading up to that point, getting to the point where you are efficient at it, you might be spending, you know, a significant amount of hours each week um, reviewing yourself, you know, like you're saying the opposition and, and yes, there's, you know, balance between both. And then you also have to have time to just completely switch off as well, because you can just go crazy by over, you know, analyzing and, you know, and get into your head and, and whatnot. So there's a healthy balance for sure. It's just kind of tweaking your prep, um, each week and kind of looking back, doing a review on yourself and, and seeing what worked, you know, did you need to spend more time in this area or less time here, you know, um, and just kind of doing a weekly review on yourself and, and fine tuning your own process. Yeah, there's always lessons to be learned, win yeah. or learn, right? That's the uh, the philosophy. Yeah. And uh, Connor, it has been a pleasure thus far to be able to chat with you, but I wanted to take the opportunity with the pause we have right now to remind all our viewers that are tuning in that you can continue to enjoy this interview with, of course, the man in the hot seat, Connor Cook, formerly of the Colorado Raptors, or should I say Glendale first, then the Colorado Raptors, uh, and then Rugby ATL in all of his history and glory with, of course, Major League Rugby. We'll continue this interview on our new home at patreon.com forward slash rugby rant pod. But in the meantime, we wanted to be able to thank you all for tuning into this episode here on, of course, as you know, the Rugby Rant Pod. Connor, it has been a pleasure to be able to have you with us. And we thank you for your time. We remind everybody that you can get more of him at Patreon. But for now, we're going to say thank you. We'll see you at the next. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.